Can money really buy you happiness? The results of the most recent studies might shock you. Ready? Let's go. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and Jimmy, and the Financial Residency Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Ryan Newman. And I'm Jimmy Turner. And welcome back to the show, my friends. So, the physician philosopher is here back with me on a Wednesday segment. And we are going to be discussing the concept of can money really buy you happiness? We've both written on the subject, and there are several major studies that give us some context and actual math behind it. And we can't wait to share it all with you. So before we jump in, Ryan wants to go over the boring legal stuff. Oh, thanks, man. Don't press skip for 30 seconds. Make sure you listen to this because I know I'm pumped. I know Jimmy's pumped Mm. that you decided to take some time out of your day to just listen to us yap about finances. Clearly, it's our passion, and I definitely am nerdy about it. But this information is for you, and I'm happy to be the messenger. And while we're honored to have you here on the show, we can't give you any specific advice on your financial situation. So please consult an attorney, a CPA, or a fee-only financial planner before you make any big money decisions, because that's just the smart thing to do, right, Jimmy? That is. I agree. So, Jimmy, can money buy me happiness? Maybe. Hi. Okay. So you're I think it depends on your question. There's two different questions here, right? So, I mean, we jump into it. We got to be specific. I was a philosophy major. You're making fun of me for that earlier. I literally was, and it was amazing. Yeah. Well, somebody has to make fun of us. Anyway. There's a lot of fun of you. Okay, uh, well, yeah, going. I'm used to it by now. This is, this is old hat for me. So two questions, right? Can money buy me happiness? Do you mean my income? Like how much money do I need from an income standpoint to be happy or can I spend my money in a certain way that it makes me happy? Can laying in a pile of money like a duck, yeah, <laughs> can that make me happy? I don't know. I, I think I'd answer those questions differently. I was just going to say that if if there was a pile of money and I could do like the Scrooge McDuck dive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the backstroke. I think reliving my childhood, I probably would be pretty happy about that. Oh, yeah. But it, yeah sure. I could also do in those little plastic balls and it probably have the same effect. So. Guess not. But the studies tell us, or basically, they were on income. And I know, like, from a budgeting and cash flow, oh, I said the B word, like, there goes everyone. But from a budgeting and cash flow standpoint, like, I want you to spend money in the way that makes you happiest, Mm. prioritizing those things that make you happy. But for the nature of the show and what we've kind of looked at, we're talking about income. So I know you've looked up some of the studies. I saw some of the things you were kind of writing out. Yeah. So let's talk about income. Can money in the form of income buy you happiness? So in terms of like sustained well-being or satisfaction, long-term satisfaction, the answer is yes. A certain amount of income, once you take care of your basic needs, certainly does buy you happiness. We know that lower income people don't have their basic needs met, and that actually provides a lower level of long-term satisfaction. That number kind of depends on the studies. It's somewhere around sixty to 75000 depending on the part of the country. And I've actually seen some studies suggest a number that's as high as maybe a hundred or one fifteen for like very high cost of living areas of the country. But for most of the country, the number seems to be around $75,000 when you know, they've done surveys on people, you know, kind of correlated their happiness with their income. Yeah. The poverty line in San Francisco for a family of four is $117,000. Mm. I'm going to go out and say 
These studies were done in probably a normal part of America, not in an insanely high cost of living area. Sure. And the ones I was looking at were about 75,000 bucks. Okay. But, you know, like that comfort level. And then the study I was looking at was that at about 95,000, again, not in San Francisco, was what they called the life evaluation point. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really fascinating because at the extra 20K basically allowed you to bring in your long-term goals and vision of what you want to do in the long-term. So basic needs were met and you felt comfortable at 75, but that extra two grand a month was allowing you to kind of dream bigger and be like, well, where do we want to go? How do we want to to allocate those funds? That's kind of interesting because isn't the median income somewhere between 55 and Mm $60,000 in our Mm -hmm. country? And so these numbers are... 20 to 40,000, I mean, almost 200% higher than what the median income is for, for the people in our country. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, for, and for the vast majority of our residents. By oh, the way. yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and so when I was thinking of this and like, can money buy you happiness? I you know, obviously pull from a lot of the experience of just working with hundreds of physicians and being married to one. When we were in training, you know, mm-hmm. we both worked. My wife and I were always really good at spending one salary and saving the other. That was kind of our, our thing that we wanted to do. We just like to spend lots of money. It just throw it everywhere. Rain money, yeah. Scrooge McDuck style. So no, we saved one, we spent one. And we were pretty close to that. Some years we spent a little too much and some years it was it was pretty much even. But mm-hmm. when we finished training and we had an attending salary, it was fascinating how quick, even for us, that lifestyle inflation kind of occurred. And our happiness did increase one because she wasn't sleeping every fourth night at the hospital. Right. I mean, that definitely helps. helps. Yeah. And she actually has time to actually spend the money, not just make it and then sleep. Mm -hmm. So so obviously that, that changes a lot. And I know a lot of people are sitting here shaking their head like, yeah, that sucked for that, but it didn't increase. And I kind of feel like that hundred K level was about Mm -hmm. right for us. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that would have been, that would have been right now. So I know I've got a rule that I talk to people about in terms of handling that transition and that lifestyle creep. And I think that I've heard you tell me before that you have one too, in terms of a 50% raise. Yeah, 50% raise. So I looked at it as like basically that it's weird because that was totally coincidence on on this you know study saying like 95K was, was the right number. But if you know, you're making 60K, give yourself 50% increase, there's 90K. Mm-hmm. And then do something smart yep. with the rest, yep. right? Pay down debt consumer debt, student debt, whatever it may be, auto loans, but do something smart with the rest of the salary until the debt is extinguished. Yeah. I like the idea. And and what I kind of teach people is something similar. It ends up getting you to probably similar post-tax numbers depending on your income. But I talk to people about the 10% rule and basically taking your increase in post-tax pay. So what you take home every month and take 10% of that. So if you go up by $10,000 a month post-tax, take $1,000 and do whatever your heart pleases with it. And then take the $9,000 and, and do something smart. So it's the same idea, same principle, just kind of a little bit different numbers. But either way, doing something fun with some of it, because we know that a little bit of money can make you happy, but with the vast majority, do the right thing. It's fascinating to see just the different spectrums of where people are, how people interact. If you have kids, I typically see that most of the time when we start working with someone, they haven't let that lifestyle go nuts. And and unless it's private school Mm. and and that kind of thing. But then the ones that have no kids, typically the lifestyles go crazy through this. So Mm. 
Yeah, it's, kind of it's, it's weird. Out. And obviously there's exceptions to the rule. And, you know, some people thinking like, oh, whoops, like we're on the other side of this. But yeah, I just, I, you know, can money buy you happiness? Like, yeah, to an extent. I think there's a lot of cool things that it can buy. And I know you wrote a cool article on this. And, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you wrote? Yeah, so I, I kind of took a little bit of a different tactic on the subject and talking about how we can use money to buy happiness and specifically what we use our money for. And so I, I talk about a few different things, but I guess some, some points that are driven home. Some things are common. I think pro- people have probably heard this before that if you spend money on experiences, so vacations or you know whatever your family really enjoys, you spend money on those things that you're going to experience together, that's going to actually provide you more happiness than spending it on things. So going and buying new clothes or a car, which I hate to say because I did that. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to ignore that for now, but yeah. So the science says out, you know, that if you spend money on, experience, you're going to pay me to edit that out, aren't you? Nah, and nah, I keep it. I, I am. I am what I I'm am. Sure I'm unsavable at this point. Money couldn't buy me happiness. I'm not editing. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so our experiences, if we spend our money there, it's, it's been shown that that's going to provide more long-term satisfaction. And part of that is because of a couple of different reasons. One of them is when you have money spent, say on a vacation, and you're looking forward to that, there's the anticipatory part where you look forward to that vacation. And that is actually what's going to potentially get you through your day or like get you through a tough time, or, you know, you're just looking forward to it because that's the moment you've been waiting for for six months or a year or however long it's been. And then on the back side of it, you build memories. And so you can look back and reminisce and say, Hey, you remember when we, we went to that one Island in the middle of nowhere and we did X, Y, or Z. And those memories will actually provide you long-term sustained happiness because you're thinking about really good times. That's very different than if you go and walk around your house and you inventory all the things you've ever bought and you think about, hmm, I remember how happy I was when I bought that TV or I bought that car or I bought that rug or you know, dining room table. And then think about how much happiness it doesn't provide now. It's a very different kind of effect than, than the money spent on experiences. Well, there's that rush that I think was a dopamine hit when you when you swipe the card, when you buy something on Amazon and, and you're like, yeah, this is going to be super fun. We're going to get it. And then five minutes, it's like out with the old and in with the new again and kind of get on that treadmill yeah. of and spending on things. And you know, there's, you, you, there's points where it can get so bad that you're hiding packages from your spouse and kind of go off the deep end because you're always trying to get that next yeah. you're buying things that are not experienced. You're buying things that Mm-hmm. You know, just tangible objects. Well, and that's kind of interesting because studies, and these studies were done, I think, before the heyday of Amazon. Yeah. But there were studies that suggested Amazon that changed if changed everything. Everything. I, yeah. If they redid some of these studies, like there was one that talked about if you buy more frequently and smaller items, that that actually is better than buying one very large purchase. And it, because it provides more opportunity to not adapt to what you're buying. Whereas a large purchase, like you buy it and six months later, it's just a house. It's not going to make you any happier than the house or the car that you drove before. Whereas multiple frequent small purchases is a way to prevent you from adapting. And I'd say that I think maybe back then that might've been true, but now with Amazon, where it's like you just slide the thing and like you just buy it and it shows up at your house two days later. And Two days? Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, live, yeah, I live in the dash. Hour. <laughs> yeah, no. Two hour Amazon now. In the country, it doesn't happen like that, Ryan. <laughs> so yeah, no, you know now that's that study's going to come out, and it'll, it'll be like this is proven true. 
study by Amazon. Amazon paid for. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. I, I don't think it'd probably be the same nowadays. And, and Amazon flies in the face of other things that have shown that if you delay your purchase, again, because of that anticipation, it actually provides more happiness when you spend your money that way and you delay a purchase. So, you know, like we're having Christmas at our house this year and I kind of, we've been living, well, I don't know what the word I'm going to use is in a not finished furnished house, house poor. House poor is not the right word because we're not house poor, but we haven't done certain things because we knew that we weren't going to use a dining room table. Like there've been studies on this and nobody uses their dining room table. It's like a place to stack papers. And unless you have large family gatherings all the time, people just don't use it. So we didn't buy one, but then Christmas was going to be at our house this year. And so now we need a dining room table. And we have this friend that basically employs refugees to help build tables, train them and how to use them, uh, how to, how to do the work. And then they go out and have a business on their own. So we wanted to support that. But it takes four months because, you know, it's a refugee and this guy building a table. It's like hand built. Now it's, you know, a little more expensive, but the cool thing about it is like there's a delay and we get pictures and, you know, we get to see what it's going to look like and anticipate what it's going to look like in our, in our dining room. And I'm sure that provides a little more happiness than if we just went to Ashley Furniture, rung up a bill and like had it shipped to our house two days later, like Amazon, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a different experience. But again, Amazon doesn't delay your purchases. So they are very good at dopamine, maybe not so good at actually having long-term sustained happiness in your life. Yeah. Well, they're getting really good at retargeting with ads to give me that long-term. Oh yeah. Cause it's, you just keep buying. Oh man, I don't, but so I got, I got two things on that, Jimmy. So the first one is you're buying an object, right? Something that you mm-hmm. don't really value, but you realize you need it. And I, I use need loosely on this, but sure. you bought something and you're getting an experience for it. Right. So you're getting the pictures, you're getting this. So it's going to have a story. Right. So you've taken something that generally most people would be like, I had to get it. I bought it. Swipe credit card here in two days and boom, it's done. Who cares now? You're going to be able to say, Hey, remember when we, we, we first ordered this? We had to wait four months for this thing. Check out the pictures they were sending. Like this is when this and this really cool story. So I think you did like as your number one thing is, you know, experience over things like even the thing you made it mm-hmm. into an experience, which is fascinating. The second one is with Amazon, something that helped me. Now, I don't have like an overspending problem at all. And I'm not saying this because I, I really don't. I don't care that much. But when I buy things on Amazon, I put it in the cart and then I click the save for later. Mm. Or sometimes I my f- wife does that. If you ask my wife, she says, you, I forget to do that. Sometimes I do. But the idea is like, I won't buy it that night. Yeah. I'll wait 24 or 48 hours. Sometimes I'll wait a week and be like, dude, I really need that. Yeah, I still need that. Wait, but since you forgot, do you see it and like get really excited about it? Cause like, oh, I forgot to put that in there. So there was a book. Oh man, I'm so nerdy. So there was a book that I wanted to read that is by, written by another planner that this guy's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he deals with like crazy, weird retirement strategies. And I'm like, I want to buy this book. Seven people have told me about this book. I want to buy it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I going to read this book? I already have like four other books I want to read. Of course, your book, I made time to read. It's because it's an excellent book. Five stars. Yeah, totally. I, I'm the only review. It's awesome. <laughs> so I put it in the cart and I keep coming back. It's been in my cart for like, I don't know, three months. My wife probably much longer than that. Mm-hmm. And I still want to buy that book. And I'm still like, oh, I really want to buy that book. But I haven't bought it yet because it's like, what? It's just going to sit here with three more books until I get through these three that were given to me for free. I got to get through those. So yeah. the whole cart thing has really helped well, me. 
and I know where I'm tangenting on this, but like the whole cart thing, like is really helped where you put it, you put save for later and then come back to it and go, do I really need this? Like, is it actually going to make me happy? Am I spending money on this thing that's yeah. going to not rob me of something else, but I, I can only spend a dollar once. So if I'm going to spend it on this, is that mm-hmm. where it's going to make me happy? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because I know that we, we talked about this in a prior episode, but, and you're a money nerd, I'm a behavioral finance nerd. So they've actually shown that when you spend money on something, you're more likely to use it. So, and the classic example of this is gym memberships, right? So like now this isn't true for forever. It's just true for like the first month. <laughs> first week, the gym is packed. Yeah, so, I'm know, a little more dedicated than I, you. So I, I used to fifth and it's like, where'd everyone go? Yeah, January quotes Grace like, hey, so lots of New Year's resolutions in here. This is good. Half of you won't be here in a few months. But yeah, so like, if you bought the book, you'd probably just read it. But probably, I, but I've got some good free books. Bigger Pockets literally today just sent me their new house hack book. That's oh, I got that book too. Yeah, I'm super excited for Craig. That. Craig's great. So, and I, I, yeah, we're I'm definitely gonna have them on the show. It's gonna think gonna be amazing. But now I've got three books. I had two. Now I have three, and I've won mm. those three. So now I'm like, eh. and I know this is like kind of a weird topic to kind of go on but i i love the cart and save for later concept so if you have an amazon spending problem just save it for later delay your purchase and do it frequently and and you got a recipe for happiness with money yeah there you go all right so what are some of the other ways that money could buy happiness well you know one that i don't want to forget to mention because this is you know it's important to my family i'm sure it's important to yours but is spending money on other people so giving to charity or you know your church tithing whatever whatever it is for you that has been definitely shown to provide happiness. And I probably don't need to explain why that does because anyone that's done something nice for someone else has experienced the benefit of that. So that's certainly been reinforced in the the studies that have been done about spending. Yeah, it was funny. And so I guess it's not funny, but the way I look at it is, you know, time is our most precious resource. Mm. So obviously I want to spend as much time with the kids and my wife as I can. Like my family is incredibly important to me. That's why I actually do what I do and work from home. It's the whole catalyst of, of why I started down this years and years ago. Sure. But you know, I'm, I define wealth in time. And so while we still do give money, I actually don't give a lot of money, but I give a lot of time and it's usually helping other small businesses yeah. figure out how they can help more people. Yeah. So that is like, what motivates me, what gets me excited is when I'm like working with another advisor or I'm working with another person and I'm helping them understand, you know, a direction they can go in their business or a way to look at, you know, how they could restructure the product that they're selling that will benefit, you know, dozens and dozens of people or hundreds of people or whatever it might be. So I bet people really appreciate that because if you think about an example, right? So if someone were to say, Hey, I'm moving and they have two different friends and one of the friends is like, Oh, okay. You know, I'll give you a new truck. That's right. Call me. I'm on the way. I got that Ram. That Ram 1500 will be right there. That's how that works. Man. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Truck club. Oh, that's right. All right. I haven't talked to him. Oh, you have a truck. I need your services. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you have, if you're moving and you ask two different friends, Hey, I need some help. And one of them says, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple hundred dollars to pay for the moving truck or help pay for the moving truck. And the other one says, Oh, I'll come and give my entire day and help you move you're going to appreciate that second friend who didn't give you money. They gave you the time. And so, you know, people certainly appreciate that. And I think it goes both ways. And, and when you equate time with, with money, like both of us do, it makes sense that that'd be a, you know, a really helpful way to, to spend your time or your money and, and to reap some happiness from it while you're doing a good thing. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, it's not to say, I, I hate saying the word, you know, when someone's like, Hey, how you been? You're like, Oh, I'm busy. Well, kind of what is busy? You know, what, what define yeah. that for me. It's hard. You know, I hate kind of saying that, but I am, I work a lot. I do a lot of things, but mm-hmm. giving away time to, to certain people, to certain things, it really makes me f- more fulfilled in that. And obviously, I mean, I do all sure. the kid, you know, getting ready, breakfast, schools, and pickups and drop-offs like that. That's the best part of my day. Don't take that for granted, man. No offense, Jimmy. Hanging out with you is pretty fun, but uh, yeah, the, even except for sunscreen. I will say that right oh, now. I hate sunscreen. My kids hate it more than you do. Oh, I hate putting it on them. Oh, man. It is brutal. Oh. It is absolutely it's just like SPF 70. It's like, it doesn't even rub in. It like, it's been there like 10 minutes. And like, you're still rubbing it in. It doesn't, it's terrible. It's, it's, to start the word sunscreen or bolting, yeah. they already know it's coming. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's, it's difficult. But see, if your kids were my kids, there would never be any sunscreen because I hate putting it on and they hate wearing it. Oh. So, well, I'm the one that's married to the doctor. So I'd have to, yeah, I'd get beat up. I didn't. Mm. You get in trouble for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So do we have anything else that we want to add to the can money buy happiness? Not really. I, I think that those are probably the four biggest ways. In my opinion, I, I know that I list, I list more than that, but really experiences over things, spending money on other people, buy smaller, more frequently. And the fourth one is delaying purchases. And I think if you do that, you'll, you'll find that your happiness from your spending does go a little bit further than it has in the past. Yeah. So we put show notes on the physicianphilosopher.com and then obviously you just make sure that you link your article inside here so people can go and kind of read further on that. We'll link to the thing that I wrote and hopefully they like it. So let's switch over to our journal club and we're going to be discussing an article that was posted on drcoreysfaucet.com. You guys know Dr. Fawcett. He's awesome. He's written some really good books. He's a super smart guy and he wrote something and it's kind of a weird title called Stop Thinking Like a Dog, which got me interested in going, what the heck is Corey talking about? What is he talking about? Oh, dude, it's fascinating. So he basically is, dogs don't think long-term and they only think about the present. And he gives a whole bunch of different things that we typically think short-term on. So one of them, and I don't agree with all of it, uh, Mm -hmm. but I I think it's a fascinating viewpoint and I really want people to kind of go in and it just gives a different perspective that we don't normally hear. It's not rehashed content. And that's what I like that Corey does so much. So he talks about the 30 year versus the 15 year mortgage. And I have a 30 year mortgage. I'm totally cool with a 30 year mortgage. Now, am I going to go constantly refinance how he basically phrases his thing every five years, people are refinancing, taking another 30 year mortgage. No, I'm actually paying it off more aggressively and doing that whole thing. But he talks about a 30 year mortgage versus a 15-year mortgage and how, and I don't have that number actually in front of me, which is kind of funny, but you know, a half a million dollar mortgage, you know, over 30 years is going to be like $900,000 to buy that house. Whereas in a 15-year mortgage, it's $250,000 less in interest. Right. And physicians, I see this all the time. It's not just physicians, but I see this very, very obvious with physicians is a monthly payment mindset. Well, I can afford payment. Yeah. Like, I, that means I can afford it. It's like, no, no, no. That's not how this works. Just because you can afford a payment doesn't mean that that's how it is. So third point is think long-term, like pay a little bit more to the mortgage and save $250,000 of interest and go do something else with it. Buy a second home or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think it's right for me. He gives a couple more that we'll, we'll dig into. But what are your thoughts on 30-year verse 15 and the mindset around them? 
Yeah. So I actually have a 15 one arm. So technically it's a 30 year mortgage, but it adjusts after 15 with the plan to probably pay it off in 15 or 20. If I'm going to hang on to it for that long, you know, I could very well see paying it off in 10, but I really like the idea of, you know, not losing the right mindset. So lots of people focus on monthly payments and affording stuff. And actually, you know, Corey is very debt averse. And so lots of his writing has to do with just getting rid of your debt. And he's written a great book on it too. And so, you know, that perspective I think is healthy. And I actually do the same thing with my medical students when I give lectures, you know, we'll talk about car loans or, you know, mortgages, stuff like that. And I'll say, who in this room, raise your hand, you know, audience participation, raise your hand if you own your house or your car. And 80% of the room will put their hand up. They own either their house or their car. And then I'll say, put your hands down. Yeah. I say, put your hands down if you've made your last payment and you actually have the title to either of those things. And of course, again, 80% of their hands fall. And I try to teach them like, this is an important concept that if you're confused about who owns your house or your car and you're making payments on them, just stop making payments for a few months and the bank will be happy to remind you who actually owns that. And it's not you. So when you say you're making monthly payments that you can afford that purchase, that's not actually what you mean. What you mean is that you can pay the bank to afford the purchase for you until you've paid off your debt and the interest that comes with it. And so I think it's healthy to get rid of debt. I'm not firmly in the debt, you know, getting rid of debt camp. Like I'm going to start investing before I start making extra payments on my house and I'm going to leverage that debt. But, you know, that said, I think it is good to understand what debt is and when you truly own something can afford it, which is what Corey's driving home here. Long-term view. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Corey's been on the show and his book is The Doctor's Guide to Eliminating Debt. So of course, he's written the book on it. Should tell you right there how he doesn't like debt, even though he had at one point like half a million dollars of debt that was not good debt to have. So one thing that he mentions in this article that I really liked was the idea of like, if you can't afford a car in cash, then why do you think you can afford a car paying interest? Mm-hmm. It's coming back to the monthly payment concept. And he's talking about a Tesla, which I talk about on the show. And of course, my wife blasts me every time she gets a chance. Does she drive a Tesla? No, she knows that I would love to drive one, but my commute is 17 feet to my office. So mm. why would I ever have one? Which I wouldn't. I'm not. You won't use any gas. That's driving. Come on. I got solar. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? But his thing was, is if you bought like an $80,000 car, but in reality, that car costs you 95000 mm-hmm. Well, why did you think if you can't afford 80 k that you should be able to now afford 95 k Well, right. in particular, over time. Right. Just a cool different mindset around it. Yeah. And particularly when, you know, again, like when you walk out and you finish medical school, you finish residency and the guy, like if you saw the person on the side of the street that was panhandling for money, say that they're going to go buy a Tesla, you'd look at them and say, that's probably not a wise financial decision. And your net worth is probably negative two, three, four hundred thousand dollars less than that panhandler. And you're going to go buy a Tesla. So, I mean, I think that it's fine to buy a Tesla if you have the cash if you've made wise financial decisions or you know you're clearly on a path to financial independence that is going to get you there like i think that there are times you can buy a tesla teslas aren't evil uh, and i actually in fact I, I encourage people spend money lavishly on the one thing you love but you do need to be reasonable about the the things that you don't love and cuz those things aren't going to provide you any happiness so you know if your tesla's your one thing like i'm not going to put you in a box if that's your 10% or your 50% raise fine but you know, don't buy a Tesla and the house and the private school and, you know, just make debt a lifestyle, which is, you know, for those monthly payments like Corey's talking about. Mm-hmm. 
And the, and the last one here is the concept of the tax refund. And it's basically an interest-free loan to the government. And most people, and he referenced a few things in there that was like, you know, he was reading that, you know, with the new tax cut, you know, this lady was upset that her refund was smaller. And it's like, well, you're still giving an interest-free loan to the government, but like, why are you truly upset that your thing was smaller? You got more money in your paycheck. And it turned out that as the interview went on, that she used her refund to pay her property taxes. Mm. So she wasn't budgeting correctly. And that, you know, she was basically overpaying given the government interest for loan. And it comes down to framing, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I think you should give the government $25,000 interest free, no big deal. And they'll give it back to you in, you know, 12 or 14 months. Sign you know? me up. I love giving money away for free. Oh, well, let's just kidding. We're doing a podcast together. <laughs> right. But, it, but it's then a terrible it, idea. It's a horrible idea. But then if, if we just, you know, basically said, hey, but you get a refund, you know, and, and it'll be 25K, you'll be all excited. It's the same exact thing. It's framing what we went back a couple of shows ago. And we're talking about framing. It's how you, you know, essentially look at things. And so I, I, I liked what Corey was doing. And so if, you know, we'll make sure to tag Dr. Fawcett on social media so you can find it quickly there if you're following us, you know, at Financial Residency, at whatever, Jimmy, it's crazy. We need to change that. But what's your tags? At Fizz, P-H-Y-S, Philosopher. Yeah. That's just it's killing me. Every I know. Time. It kills oh, me too. Dagger to the heart. But anyway, so we'll tag it. Make sure you know you can do it. And if you're not following us, good luck finding Jimmy. But you can find me at, at Financial Residency. So really hope you guys enjoyed our journal club as well as the talk on can money buy you happiness. And we're really curious. What do you guys think? Do you think money can buy you happiness? Is it from an income standpoint? Or is it from cash flow and spending standpoint? So have a great week. See you guys on Friday. Cheers. Take it easy.